Welcome to Tech Life Cast, an initiative of Harbor Inc. Technology Media. We are here to share insights and tell stories that happen around specific touch points across technology, lifestyle, and entertainment, and especially how these impact our lives and our future in Africa and beyond. Currently, much information about the influence of cutting-edge technologies on Africa's culture is not talked about or even our impact on the growing space economy. We are here to transform that narrative once story, one argument, one terrible wisecrack at a time. Hi everyone, welcome again to this next episode of Tech Lifecast. And in this episode, we'll be exploring the Nigerian regulatory system, uh, especially how it impacts the startup ecosystem as a whole. And also, we'll be exploring from two different perspectives, from both the startup perspective and the regulator perspective. The aim of this is just find a balance between this and gain more understanding of what exactly the real picture is. In this episode, we'll be exploring the topic from the perspective of startup executives themselves. And on this episode also, we have Kelechi Ibekwe. Uh, Kelechi Ibekwe is a product designer who is well-versed at building and designing products across web, mobile, and IoT. Web, mobile, IoT, watch OS, and smart devices. Whoa, that's a lot. He's also devoted to research-driven design, which can help identify programs and guide in creating solutions that are functional, aesthetically pleasing, and accessible. As a designer, this is my ideal. <laughs> I'd like you to, to, to talk about it because I got that from your LinkedIn. He also has well over four years product design experience and also have led startups, including Monify and RBM. Cool, okay. cool. So um, I would just like you to give a little more, bit more story, like story formats to this, um, in that you tell us about yourself, you tell us about your professional experience. And I would also like you to dwell a little on, as a designer, this is my ideal. It, it, it sounds very remarkable. Like, you know, when, when um, old, old China samurai takes their sword and they're ready to like start the kata, they're like, as a designer, this is my ideal. Ichino Kata, <laughs> something like that. But yeah, um, I'll just really be interested in, um, I, I think the audience also will be interested in getting to know who you are and what exactly that word in mean. Yeah, so hi. Hi, everyone. I'm Kelechi request as Ayabami said, and I'm a product designer. Uh, before I got into design, I worked in the startup space for a bit, both in the services and and as and as a, and with a product, right? Called Monify, not Monify with two ends, Monify with a single end. Um, my first company was some, was called RBM, where we helped people build uh, products. So if you came to us with an idea, we did like functional requirements, we did some research, we did some planning, we did some ticketing, some design and development. And then at uh, Monify, Monify was um, a, a real estate, um, sorry, uh, an investment robot advisor aimed at helping like millennials and generations D access um, financial markets um, through quality advice and building like decent like portfolios based on their risk appetite and their traditional profile. Um, so yeah, that's my background. And yeah, I'm here. To, I'm here. I'm here. I'm glad to be on the podcast and to talk more about uh, experience, my experience in the startup space and what regulations can do and how regulations can help or hinder startups in the critical phase of growth. So yeah, that's me. 
So I'm just going to give a brief run through of how we got here and the recent past of like the Nigerian regulatory environment and how we really got to where we are today. So the old news started early 2020, but while this is a little old news, uh, it also has a very recent component because it was not yesterday that they did one, um, that they had a meeting regarding uh, the, the NITDA bill. Uh, was it yesterday? Yeah, it was. It was yesterday, really. Um, so it's something that is currently being worked on, like in, uh, it's currently being worked on and several changes and everybody's just really looking forward to see what comes as a result of this. So it all started, oh, um, it all started from the COVID-19, right? Uh, everybody was shaking up their feet. Everybody figured, like everybody discovered that they needed to, seize the moment, right? Um, and we saw the advocates wrecked across economies and Nigeria was no, like Nigeria wasn't, <laughs> apart from this, Nigeria also got its fair bit of like um, the havoc from the COVID-19 and that was like really particular. But aside that, um, we remember the the ban against the right dealing services, but motorcycle dealing services, right? Uh, Max and Gokada. Uh, that was like early 2020. And these co- companies, these startups are having to shift the business model to be able to survive within the constrained environment of the pandemic. And this was, this was, this was something they were opera against because everybody was like, what exactly is going on? We were unsure. Is it that the Lagos government wants to institute their own um, motorcycle alien services or what exactly is going on? Because that was really a problem. And if you would remember, that that also caused a fair bit of an opera. Then fast forward a few months later, when the SARS issue came up and everybody went out in numbers, uh, a lot of persons into protest. Uh, and there was a lot of... It's it, it kind of built up over a month uh, until its climax. And during this time, there was also a lot of support uh, that came as a result of that, both from people, from philanthropists, or from supporters, both in Nigeria and abroad. And they, 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 there were a lot of contribution for funds um, to really drive the entire protest. And the first thing, you, if, if you would remember, is that the government blocked those accounts through the banks, right? Um, blocked those accounts that actually were, I mean, were used to support this protest, right? Uh, yeah. Of course, Nigerians tried, figured out a way around that. They, they they went via the cryptocurrency routes using startups such as um, using cryptocurrency enabled startups here, such as um, Chaka and Bamboo. And during these times, following the blockage of all these regular accounts. Uh, there was a shift of the support into cryptocurrency-based accounts, which the government couldn't reach, right? And yeah. shortly, the next thing they did was unlicense these startups and just require some form of licensing for them to to get reinstated into force. And this happened over a short period of time. That and and this affected the progression of the uh, the SARS protest and the likes. And this felt. Like it was, it was a very uncertain environment because it was quite clear even at the point that um, the government was against the SARS protest, right? And they were just trying to like bring down every major support that came to 
these protesters. And, and that followed up into a lot of other bands and the likes. Um, shortly afterwards, anyway, these startups, uh, including Chaka, Bamboo Rice, they got their issues resolved. But there's just been this constant tussle right from then between the regulators, I mean, CCC regulations that don't exactly promote the startup environment and startup gets a hit for that. Fast forward to March this year, there was this whole wave about like a startup bill which would further help, help the, would I say, the, the, the success, would, which, which is basically built towards the success of the startup industry. And it's it's... It suggested that there will be even more collaboration between the regulators and the startup ecosystem. But um, August, Techabal published an article which was basically titled "A Licked Bill for Nigerian Startups Reveals a Theme of Licenses, Fees, and Fines and Sentences." And this, after going through this article, it just gives you a sense of okay, they released the <laughs> regulators by instituting a fairly um, a fair startup bill that would that look to promote the, the the health of like the startup ecosystem. Then following that with um, some NITDA bill that has a lot of licenses and fees and fines and sentences that just came. If you just felt like oh, are we are we really in a tug of war or are we making progress at all? I really just want to get your your sense of this progression yeah. so far and what you think regarding uh, what your thoughts are regarding the 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 what I say the regulations so far in the past I say one and a half years. Yeah. Um. So when it comes to regulations, from what I'm seeing, I'm seeing a lot of like harmful, potentially harmful practices and policy somersaults. And what that does is that over the overarching initiative that what people are trying to do is very damaging, right? Now, what I, from like the recent like NIDA bill I've seen, so they are, they are, it seems like they are going for total control of all digital assets within that um, Nigerian space. And the question is why, right? Now, you mentioned some things like the SARS protests um, moving into Bitcoin. We also have to consider things like economic instability, low oil prices, and how that serves as motivation for everything that the government does, right? Now, in terms of like, because in the past, these things have always been there, but they were just not enforced for some reason. Um, need that bill aside, right? So why the sudden need for like drastic control? And the typical excuse given is things like, capital flight, right? Um, they, they say capital is leaving the country or it's untraceable or things are happening. So what I think is like, there is a greater game for control over the digital space in Nigeria with the reasons that you mentioned in mind. So um, yeah, those are just like my initial thoughts. But as we go ahead, we can, we can flesh out some things. Okay, cool. Look forward to like the insights you bring. So yeah, and you mentioned something earlier. You mentioned that this the need that kind of assumes a an absolute control um, by the virtue of these provisions within this NIDA Act uh, or the NIDA Bill. And I'll just like touch on just a few of them. Under Section Six, uh, it says the agency also reserves the right to enter premises, inspect, seize, seal detain and impose administrative sanctions on erring persons and companies who contravene any provisions of this act. 
Section 13. NIDAP proposes establishing a fund to carry out countries' digital economy objectives. And this fund would be financed by money, fees, and grants in aid accrued under administrative payments and levies charged from tech companies. So basically, establishing a fund for tech companies funded by tech companies themselves. So the bill declares that tech companies making an annual turnover of 100 million will have to pay a levy of 1% of their profit before tax. Um, anybody or person who operates a technology or digital economy service product or platform, contrary to the provisions of this act, commits an offense. Um, and individual found guilty by the agency will be fined no less than three three million, and that's six thousand dollars. And on the other hand, corporations will be fined in the same manner, um, not nothing less than thirty million. That's sixty thousand dollars. Any company which falls into the category of paying levies and does not pay after two months will be liable to a fine of zero point five percent of the total amounts to be paid every day after the default. So, like, as you said, and as it's very clear to this, the provision itself gives NIT the, the absolute control. And where there is absolute control, it's just like absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? Um, it is corrupt because people have different agendas. And since the fact that there is no third party to either check in these things or there is no collaboration, between even between the regulators and the startups even themselves, it just creates this divide that would be acted upon and like corruptions can just come as a result of these provisions. Uh, and this would actually impact a lot of like a lot of players in the startup ecosystem. So like just talking from this this absolute power that is given to the NIT what are really your thoughts regarding this section that I read out? Okay. Um, so what, yeah, what I'll say is I'll, I'll try to break it down into like components which have which help me understand. And the first thing I'll speak on is the, the spirit of the bill itself. Now, while I can't speak to the technical applications of the startup of, of the of the of the bill or the implications of the bill, of the, the spirit of the bill seems to be again startups and growth in that sector. Because what you should do in any new sector, any developing sector is you work, you create a sandbox environment, you get startups into that sandbox environment. So you understand what they do and how they do what they do. Understand their business, understand how things work, who the partners are, what is needed to make it happen. And then you allow them scale so you can capture revenues at a larger scale. You don't impose regulations at a stage where startups are still growing trying to figure out product market fit and all these things really they're in the process of raising their first they're raising their first they're in the process of their first capital raise they are trying to find partners trying to find investors trying to find clients trying to find consistent customers trying to retain the customers that they have it's a very trying period and also trying to grow their teams internally that is not the time to also start dealing with regulatory headaches because regulators should think into the future. You shouldn't think about how much revenue can we collect now. It should be about how much can we collect when this particular thing scales beyond a certain point. That is what I see the regulators role to be. And also regulators are there to prevent loss of, um, they're there to also provide like, um, con um, provide consumer protection for customers using these startup services. That is what I see regulators are. So it's two roles, supporting and guiding, right? But what I'm seeing in this, with this spirit of the bill is it just seems to be like, okay, Startups seems to be a new revenue source. 
that the uh, value can be captured from before the value is even established, right? We have several, we have several um, events that have alluded to this fact. For example, the death, the rise and death of Opie and Gokada in terms of the in, in terms of like the right the right healing sector, for example, right? What happened was breezing regulation without foresight into like implications of the of, of that regulation that was brought about, which resulted in the death of a very vibrant sector, which would have organized a lot of the chaos that's currently happening in Lagos when it comes to like mass transit, right? So sometimes when, when, when regulators or policymakers do not think far out about the implications of what they do and what their policies mean and how their policies can hinder growth, strategic assessments from stakeholders, people who are actually building these companies. So you understand exactly what goes into like building these companies. You don't hear about the capital raise, maybe they raise $200 million and assume that $200 million is cash in hand for them to use on the jamboree. No, it is to raise more money so they can even build more viable businesses, grow the business, and then you can come in and capture value for free. Startups are an intense labor of love for most startup founders. And in the end, it, everything works out in the end when the startup grows and makes money for both the founders and in the end for government as well. So I think there is a large gap in how regulators address or understand startups. Now, to my understanding, I think um, the SEC does a good job already of like trying to build that sandbox for fintech related platforms, right? Or wealth tech related platforms. They have this sandbox environment where they try to understand what the startups are doing, but there seems to be like a policy clash between them and the other banking body, right? And it's, it's also things like that that cause policy some assault confusion to stakeholders, which ultimately reflects in how much capital can be raised by these startups from foreign sources, right? And also the world is going global, right? It has always been going global. So why not tap into that opportunity where you have, where you create um, um, startup havens in Nigeria, making it attractive for startups to set up businesses in Nigeria, creating policies that enable and drive um, these ideas forward. And in, 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 in a world like today, you can capture so much value from simply being a safe haven, like what we'll do with the Delaware Incorporation in the US. Why does everybody run to that particular place? We need to examine as a policymaker to examine these things and figure out how we can translate those policies over there to policies that work for people in Nigeria, right? And that's the, that's, that's the type of like long-sightedness I expect regulators to have and not just blind, um, not just blind, um, blind policies that um, blind blanket policies. That's, that's how that's how it phrase it. So I think there's a need to like step back from the precipice, from the edge, and say, how can we the startups that we've nearly killed? How can we bring them back? How can we make them players on the global scene? Because what's going to happen is everybody's going to start de-risking from Nigeria if they already aren't doing so. They are de-risking by simply start registering their companies abroad and having Nigeria as a subsidiary, right? And there's nothing you can do, right? Because if 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 you, if you if you shut down the market in Nigeria, they simply they've diversified, they've de-risked, and Nigeria, which would have been a, a very juicy part of their business, just moves to a different country. And these are companies founded by young Nigerians as well. So why not allow yourself capture opportunities from these people who are doing the work without? your help right is it is a relatively simple equation but yeah these are my thoughts that makes a lot of sense that makes a lot of sense um and you mentioned something which is really important and that is like the the, the effect that comes as a result of this um on 
would I say erratic regulations, right? Um, and the, the, the come back to bike and the fact that they are uncertain, you don't know when these things are coming up. It's not like, oh, there is some time that, oh, as we could time it, it will reduce the risk a little, but no, it just comes out like without, without, without prior notice. So, um, and and this actually has a lot of effects, right? Uh, it as you mentioned earlier, it, it allows people, like it causes a lot of startups to leave the ecosystem. And um, apart from that, it also reduces customer confidence in these startups because look at the recent um, cryptocurrency wave, like uh, with with major startups and the fact that their license were sealed, they had to like talk with the government, do some, you know, there were a lot of communications that happened with the customer because I'm actually, I, I'm, I'm, I'm part of the, like, the mailing list and I get all those things like, oh, we're sorry, you won't be able to access your this thing. Like, and, and it just, even though the customer knows that for, for, for the educated ones, even though they know that, oh, this uh, is actually like the, what I say, cascading effect from the regulations, right? There is still this, this would I say, um, loss in customer confidence that come as a result of that, right? And um, even though if the startups find a way to work around that, that is still costly to them. And even aside from this, there are a lot of unintended effects that might come as a result of this. Uh, one thing that we probably are not thinking about, or yeah. maybe less people are thinking about, is the ease of doing business. Um, the the ranking. I think Nigeria is at 132. Probably probably has reduced like multiple times, right? Like in the past few months. And due mm-hmm. due to this, I mean, due to this regulation. Uh, mm-hmm due to this, but I say uncertain regulation space. But I also appreciated what you said regarding SEC and the fact that they are, I mean, they are, they are coming up with like a sandbox that they could, they could work with. I mean, they could use to, but I say, um, did you say estimate the effect of like their policies and take proper actions? So it's more like setting up, first of all, the sandbox is to understand what these businesses are doing, right? And set up guardrails for how they can operate in the Nigerian environment without breaking the law. That's the most important bit. Secondly, okay. ensuring that when they develop enough understanding of your product, they can also figure out how you can actually like um, preserve or how you can how you can preserve your customers' funds. Things to consider, how to de-risk your startups. There are so many there's so many things that the SEC could okay. simply do for you by just being like in partnership with you, right? And they currently have that sandbox going, from what I know. Oh, great, great, great. I think that's like a step in the right direction because that's, that leads me to kind of the next question, right? How exactly, in your own opinion, do you think more certainty, and uh, would I say more fair will, can be put into the, the entire regulators, I mean, reg, regulator sector in such a way that both parties and even other stakeholders that we are not, we've not made mention of are more in control, like are, are would I say consulted or um, are able to, there's just like this fair play and not this lopsided one that, oh, the regulator says A and everybody has to follow regardless of who you are. What, do you, in your opinion, do you think can take us from our current state which is lopsided to that state where there can be like a mutual understanding amongst these two parties. Yeah, so I think first of all, there needs to be a distinct and clear separation of powers, right? Um, while while a body a body while a body can um, can issue like um, guardrails, we should people should also be able to challenge issued guardrails without fear of intimidation or whatever. Um, 
whatever, um, without fear of intimidation, shutdown or whatever, right? There needs to be that culture of dialogue between regulators and startups or businesses as a whole, right? Nothing should ever be blanket. People shouldn't sit in the room and decide what goes on um, that would affect tons of people. So we should, what I think is that we should adopt a town hall approach to regulations, especially in spaces that are, that are advancing really fast. Things are happening like super, um, super quickly every day. You need people, you need to partner with people to understand what's going on and how you can capture value from the technological advancements. Because what's going to happen is that if you simply choose to shut your eyes, the world will move on and you'll be in the same spot you were for, 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 for more than a decade. There's no growth. And ultimately, it's the youth that pay the price for that because advancement, the lack of advancement comes at a material cost to them. Because what happens is that they stay poorer for longer which also affects their potential, like um, future future relationship status, kids, and the, the, the effects are massive. Whereas, where where you have a, a policy um, a policy maker's um, business owner handshake, and it, there's there's a serious long um, both parties are committed to like pushing the boundaries of what is possible forward. You would realize that wealth will be more evenly spread. People would be encouraged to start businesses to like mitigate current um, current gaps in people's um, experiences locally and internationally. And what what would happen is that you would also make it attractive for people anywhere to want to come to Nigeria to set up shop, which also creates more wealth, more diversified wealth away from oil and other and, and other dependent sources, right? Um, so that's 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 what I think. Yeah, that's that that makes a lot of sense. Um, so I actually have, I spoke with someone regarding this and the person actually said, um, the person actually said the maturation also of the startup ecosystem plays a factor that um, maturation in the sense of like how much money the startup system brings in, how much relevance it is, it is to like the, the existence of like states, the, the um, like how 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 mature it is really do we have like the do we have uh, thought leaders who have some influence in in government policies right and once once there is like once 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 the nigerian startup ecosystem reaches some level of maturity they are now able to even participate better in dialogue because they know that they are just too big to like not just neglect, right? Um, so like reaching that stage also might, I mean, what well, reaching that stage also might be a path because I kind of reason with that, um, that, oh, um, are there any way we can, because of course, I, I think I think I heard of like a, would I say a dialogue um, between startups and regulators, like it's some, um, I don't know. I can't remember what it's called, but something like that actually does exist. But it is not. It is not. It is not strong enough, right? Um, and to to improve the strength, the other person, like the other party, has to see you as equal. And that's what I call that maturation. Because these guys, most of them are so rich. Like most most of them have been in been in um, power for like a very large number of years. So and, and apart from that, right? Um, there's also some indicators that actually, uh, when I say signal, indicates uh, maturity. So, if if um, 
the industry, the startup ecosystem itself, the startup community becomes more mature in terms of how much they contribute to the economy as a whole. They become increasingly more important to the country. And in, on, on this systematic scale, they become, they, com- they become just too big to leave out, just too important to leave out. And at this point, will we be able to, without stress, Without, 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 without the lot of hiccups that 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 we face currently, we will be able to influence or be an active, would I say, um, participant or be an active stakeholder in the development of these policies and contribution to these policies. So, well, what do you think to that line of thoughts? Yeah. So I, yeah, like you mentioned, there's a there's a huge power imbalance um, in how. Um, and there's a huge power imbalance between like the regulators and some businesses and and startups, and this power imbalance exists everywhere in the world. What matters is how how well they're able to relate and create value for one another, right? An example is an example is so we have tons of startups in Nigeria. Yes, and then you also have the regulators, and you also have some maybe like a Dangote, right? Now, where there's opportunity for collaboration is, as opposed to having maybe, um, as opposed to having like dominant monopolistic practices, you could say Dangote, I don't know if this is the regulator's role, but regulator is there to also protect protect both businesses independent of, independent of the economic value that that business provides, right? As as it sounds as um, it sounds as um, idealistic as it as it, as it as it possibly could be, but that is primarily what the regulator is there for, to level the playing field, and letting people have at it. Now, in our case, we know that that isn't necessarily the case. There's a lot of protectionism surrounding like certain businesses, certain industries, and what we could do to an extent is, while we're trying to create a handshake, now. With, the, with, with terrible policies, that, 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 that's the first, that's the first, um, that's the first bottleneck in any such relationship because it erodes trust between like small businesses and um, regulators, right? And it also creates um, this um, untenable relationship between big, between big businesses and regulators because what, what eventually happens is when those startups aren't allowed to reach their maturation stage, like an Amazon or a Google or whatever, what happens is, the stakeholder can simply the regulatory stakeholder can simply dictate to businesses what should happen, and every business has to comply because there's no power block, right? Ideally, the big businesses, small businesses, whatever they are, are a power block in themselves. Regulators are on the other side, also being a power block and also maintaining balance. Now, that's the way I think it should happen. The way, for example, America, um, America has anti-monopolistic practices that prevent, or antitrust laws that prevent Google or Amazon from engaging in like many unfair practices or what they consider unfair practices. And these things are clearly defined. And they're also like, um, there's also an enabling environment and low regulatory supervision in the early stages for startups to get to that level where eventually they provide enough value and become a block on their own. So one way that this could be, one way that startups could get around this is we're starting to have some maturing startups, right? Now maturing in our case means they are relatively like four or five years or older and they they are very few and far between, but we're starting to have them. Those startups can band together 
and simply engage regulators for a collective, not as not for a, not on a survival basis. Now it's easier said than done because you ultimately your business is on the line. But as a block, if there if your revenue, if what you're bringing in is serious and is, it commands like serious capital, right? Of course, you have a say. You have you ha- you have you have you have you have um, you have a voice in the room. Use that voice for a collective. Also, those big businesses could also roll out investments to smaller startups in adjacent spaces or spaces that they could also benefit from, and also lend their legal and legal um, legal expertise and compliance know-how to these smaller startups to help them scale as well and get to that level. So, pretty much the same way Google and Amazon invest in businesses, these these big businesses that we have, these unicorns that we have in Nigeria, could also invest in smaller businesses and get them to that level where you now have a power block. Now, when you have a power block, you could also like influence legislation directly from um, um, stakeholders that are aligned with your interests in public spaces like the House of Assembly or in the Senate because you are a power block. And lobbying is, lobbying is legal in, in most countries, it's allowed. You're allowed to like lobby for your interests as long as what you're lobbying for is not illegal, right? And I think that's the, that's, that is when we would have some semblance of balance, right? And yeah, that's the way I see it moving forward. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so I'm, I'm going to ask two questions. Uh, the first one is a little weird, but coming from your product design experience, and that is what you currently do right now, I would imagine, and I would like you to confirm this, I would imagine that you basically work with product teams um, yeah. and to, to that's it, satisfy business interests of this company you are working under. And that means that, oh, there is this regular, I mean, regular check-ins with the management themselves regarding the progress of the project. I mean, the progress of the, like the product dev development, what are the metrics and how are you responding to them? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so here, here is, here is the point. Um, this relationship seems to be analogous to, to the startup regulator. Okay. Right. Um, because, there are times, even though it's, if it's, I mean, it, the scope is way reduced uh, for like in a product, in a company, like um, in, in, in a company, com- company scape or a company scenario, the, the scope is quite limited and there is way more structure to that. But, um, but essentially either party sometimes have strong opinions. Um, the product managers, the product designers feel, okay, this is the best way given the trends in this um, in the industry. This is the best way to probably like engage with customers. This is a strategy to like get, I mean, this is a, would be the best way to like achieve the, the, the product aim. And perhaps the management is coming from the perspective that, okay, what's, what's impact the, the, the bottom line the most? Okay. We would rather do what we've always been doing because that is way more, less risky. And that uh, serves, serves as a, like, a more reliable, would I say, income source or income generator that try something that might not work out. And I would imagine okay. you have some experience like this. So look, given, given that, that seems to know, yeah. I mean, analogous to like the startup regulator um, relationship. So um, how do you reach a consensus or how do you move forward um, given this? And what are the best ways that has proven times and times again over your years of experience that yes, this is the best way to um, address such situations such that everybody's ideas and um, opinions are equally valued? Okay, so yeah. 
Yeah, so I think I get it now. So the way I look at this is now, while they may they, they may not be a singular approach because every board and every organization is different. Um, and motivations are different. You mentioned something about risk assessment and how people's outlook on risks vary depending on where they are as a company, as a, at a at a company, at a company at a, at a company scale, at um, at the hierarchy scale within a company. Because the salesperson has a different perspective from design. Design has a different perspective of product on what they think will drive things forward, right? And how you manage that relationship is one leading with data right now as much as um as much as people say lead with data we tend to like still go with our gut instinct and that is exactly why startups are started in the first place gut instinct about the market you chase it and you validate right but what seems to happen is that everybody forgets the validation stage and what needs to happen is you need to allow people experiment for a, 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 an example is this sales has a particular way of doing things right they go out they go out they build relationships with people they make things happen design says wait we can design a process around this sales thing that could do xyz sales says no this process has never worked for us in the past let's use what we've always used that has worked for us how do you bring those two people to a to um, a point where um they feel comfortable both experimenting first of all you allow them the freedom to back out of that situation for example you could say design and sales put them on a round table i have design talk to sales about what their current process is like and have sales communicate to design what their expectations are and have alignment on expectations before moving forward at any point in the project now how does that apply to the nigerian space or how does that apply to the regulatory space? It's slightly different because regulators don't move as quickly as the market, right? Companies move very fast. Regulators are supposed to be very slow, right? Because they need to understand, they need to monitor, they need to like monitor events across board, monitor individual companies and see avenues for protection of consumer, uh, avenues for consumer protection while not hindering or, or tampering with the company's growth, right? So it's slightly different. But ultimately, it boils down to people's skills um, and how you manage conflicts. It seems it seems relatively simple, but that's primarily the answer. How do you communicate to people what you're trying to do? And also understanding that every team has their motivations for what they do, right? And not, not every motivation is necessarily bad. You have to work from that point where you say, fine, okay, sales doesn't want us to use this tool. Why don't they want us to use this tool? And then you inquire and then you try and make things happen. So that's one way I see it. Um, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. That, that's really cool. Um, that, that's really, really cool. Um, and one thing that kind of aligns to what we've been saying earlier as a, perhaps a way forward is the fact that there has to be like a round table. There has to be communication yeah. in both the startup, um, some thought leaders, some, some um, thought leaders, in the startup ecosystem and the regulators, such a way that there is a, an unshake in the development of these initiatives themselves and expectations can be aligned. I see that as a common common thread in solving both issues on both the company scale and the um, state scale. And while you mentioned that um, it takes it takes way longer for regulators to respond, right? I would imagine like this, I mean, it takes it takes equal amount, like the, the increase in time required from both the startups, I mean, from startup scale to, I mean, from a company scale to like the regulator scale is kind of proportional to the increase in scale of this establishment themselves. Like if, if 
um, for for the United States right now, the regulations for the entire U.S. would be way more slower. Would take a lot more time, I would imagine, than for like a a, a state-sized um, country like Nigeria, due to the scale mm-hmm. and the potential, like the, the the scale for impact of those regulations. So everybody from there, there's a lot more ground to cover. So I would imagine that that is the reason, right? Um, and if that is the case, then there should be a way to like, um, what I say, migrate principles in a way. And one other thing that um, I kind of picked, and I think this is one of the major things um, I kind of picked from this call, is the fact that everybody has a motivation for their actions, right? Um, no one, No one essentially is coming out to just go against the other person, right? Like there is, there is, there, that problem that isn't sustainable. There is always a motivation, and the first way to solving issues, especially issues that that involves like clashing, a clash of ideologies and clash of opinions, um, as most socioeconomic um, problems are, is first understanding the why. And I'm sure that's a very basic tenet of design thinking, which is something like you implement every day. So. This understanding the why of uh, the regulators is actually very important uh, for us to be able to see, I mean, for us to be able to like walk around that um, and be able to manage the situation at the very least. Um, so yes, that is, um, that that was a very good insight. So um, just just, just like, as a final question, right? Um, how many years do you think, so given the current maturity of the industry, we have a, like, and exponential growth in terms of like investment into um, Nigeria. Um, if you look at the bar chart over since 2015, it's been like almost 10x in. Um, so, how long do you think? And, and this means like the, the ecosystem itself is getting getting a lot more relevant. Like it's getting to a state where they would have they would just be too big to ignore, right? How many years do you think we have until that point? Like given the current space. How many years do you think until we get that point where we are able to talk um, with the regulators, like we are able to have like a mutual conversation, mutual respect, a mutual conversation to be able to trash out these issues and ensure that every party is at least not detri- like they are not in a detrimental position, right? At the very least. Yeah. Because, so uh, in, in your production. I wouldn't say, yeah, I wouldn't say there's a time frame because sometimes these things happen so quickly and like it's all dependent on motivations right now um whenever whenever like um governments change or people change power policies also tend to like change quickly so we have that political risk in nigeria um which also plays into inconsistent policy making now one might it one might be hopeful to say yeah in the next four years in the next five years we expect a change in this but the only thing that we are sure that we'll get um only thing that was that was sure of is that people will continuously build products to try and solve problems whether regulators agree or do not agree that is going to be the truth because as long as there's economic value in solving these problems people will solve those problems and it's that resilience that's also our being in the sense that we also do not know when to push back we always solve around the problem so <laughs> i can't give you a specific time frame as to when we see these things being implemented because we haven't really seen um, a keen desire for a roundtable discussion. Fine, there might be a keen desire on one side, startup, um, startup, uh, startup founders, but I haven't seen the kind of consensus movement that's required to make it like a serious uh, block 
to lobby against like bad policies and to also like get people who understand our spaces, people that we respect, who have a proven track record of being fair into these positions, into these regulatory bodies, so that this could also be our contact people in these regulatory bodies to say, hey, um, this policy, we're about to implement this policy. This is how we think it could be harmful. What do you guys think about this? And then there's a dialogue between those and then you come to an agreement, right? So it's a long-term play, but I don't see any black like, moves. I don't I don't see any bold moves yet. So I can't say this is the time frame for when this is gonna happen. All I can say is people are gonna build businesses anyway, with or without regulatory oversight or heavy handedness. Okay, cool, cool, cool. That is a very smart way to deflect my question. <laughs> but um, I, that, that's actually uh, the, the response I, uh, I, I expect because for, for socioeconomic issues as this, it's very, very difficult to like, um, would I say set a time to it because it's not something you can predict. Like even the next few days is not something you can predict, especially in a very uncertain country like Nigeria. So yeah, that's, that's, that's very valid. Um, so um, thank you so much, Kilichi. I'm, I'm really grateful thank for you. the insights you shared. This brings us to the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it on social media. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts, you'll find us there. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions on topics we should cover, do reach out to us on email or via the Twitter handle. Find the link in the description below. 